Welcome to the Chirpy Cricket Podcast. My name is Tiffany McCullis, a student studying neuroscience fascinated by, you guessed it, chirpy crickets. I am the most passionate about not just any cricket, but the Teleogryllus oceanicus species, also known as the field cricket. In this podcast, we will explore a scientific article on same-sex behavior and mistaken identity in male field crickets. We will have a very special guest joining us, as well as some questions for the audience at the end. Because of this, be sure to stay tuned in for the entirety of this episode. Before I get into our discussion, I wanted to say a huge thank you to Science Direct for being today's sponsor of this podcast. Science Direct is a website that provides access to a large bibliographic database of scientific publications of the Dutch publisher Elsevier. It hosts over 18 million pieces of content from both academic journals and ebooks. As a neuroscience student myself, I'm almost always using this wonderful website for my research. To access this website, simply type in sciencedirect.com in your browser. Again, that is sciencedirect.com. And now for my discussion on male field crickets. Let's dive in. Today, we are focusing on an article called Same-Sex Sexual Behavior in Mistaken Identity in Male Field Crickets. So you might be wondering, what are we talking about when I say same-sex behavior or mistaken identity in crickets? For vertebrates, same-sex behavior, or SSB, is an evolved adaptation and can occur to solidify social bonds or mediate aggression. The SSB that occurs in invertebrates, however, is usually non-adaptive, meaning it doesn't contribute to the fitness or survival of an organism. And then we have mistaken identity, which is defined as when the courting individual and a mating pair which in this case is crickets, thinks that their target individual is of the opposite sex. This misperception arises from errors in sensory processing or that the target resembles the opposite sex. The purpose of the article we are discussing today was to rule out adaptive evolutionary hypotheses while simultaneously demonstrating a mechanism that can explain the persistence of non-adaptive same-sex behavior in crickets. So let's break this down a little bit. Rather than evolutionary explanations, these specific researchers are interested in the behavioral mechanisms underlying SSB. The adaptive hypothesis this particular study wanted to rule out was that male SSB mitigates costly effects of aggression, which might include potential physical impairment and loss of mating opportunities. By using a large population of male field crickets and splitting them up into two different treatment groups, the results of this study did not support the previously stated adaptive hypothesis, and instead, it provided evidence that mistaken identity is a key feature of SSB. The findings also revealed that the social environment of these insects plays a major role in mediating SSB. And why does social environment play such a big role, you might ask? Well, this article talked about how being isolated versus not being isolated affected the likelihood of male SSB occurring. One of the results of this study revealed that male crickets who had interacted with females previously were way more likely to show SSB when compared to males that had no contact or experience with another male. Thankfully, as I mentioned previously, we have a special guest joining us. He is a cricket himself and therefore has had some first-hand experience in interacting with other male field crickets and will help build off some of the points made in the article we are discussing. Hi, Carter the Cricket. Welcome, welcome. We are so excited to have you here today. How are you doing? Hello. Thank you so much for having me. 
I'm doing well, actually. I just finished nibbling on my lunch, which consisted of some dark leafy greens and wheat germ. Wow, amazing. So, Carter, I wanted to ask you a few questions about your experience with other male crickets. First, what are some of the reasons for why you engage in same-sex behavior? Yeah, yeah, of course. Us crickets partake in same-sex behavior for a variety of reasons. Some of that may be even arguably adaptive, which a lot of scientists seem to disregard. We do this behavior because same-sex behavior can actually improve our chances of mating with a female. Mating with another male is a way of showing off or practicing. Additionally, we do same-sex behavior because it is a restriction of natural selection, which can be seen with the idea of mistaken identity, which I know you talked about previously, or with the idea that selection may favor us males that are more sexually active, so mating with more females and therefore trying to mate with more males too. And actually, something I want to add, some of my female friends engage in this behavior too. Hmm, interesting. The current article that I'm exploring on your species seemed to only focus on male same-sex behavior, so I'm excited to hear that you have noticed it in females too. And also, Carter, can you tell me a little bit more about general sex behavior in crickets, like what it looks like and some of the neurobiology behind it? Totally. So us crickets exhibit sex behavior in a few different ways. These include making special songs, courtship posturing, and mounting. And as for some of the neurobiology, I can talk more about courtship song. So the neural activity underlying courtship song is actually patterned according to different genetic specifications, which are controlled by the firing of particular motor neurons within us. These pattern-generating networks are housed within what is called the thoracic ganglia, and again are controlled by our brains. Wow, amazing. Well, Carter, thank you so much for briefly joining us today on the Chirpy Cricket Podcast. We really do appreciate your very personal insights. Of course. Thank you for inviting me in. Back to the grassy fields I go. It's not every day that you get to hear from a cricket themselves, so I'm very pleased to have had Carter as a guest. Let's just say it was not an easy process getting him to come in. Anyways, despite the specific study, as well as there being over 1,500 known species exhibiting SSV, not a lot of research is done on this topic in the neuroscience field. It seems as though some researchers tend to have a heterosexist and even gender bias when it comes to research. We often conceptualize human and animal experiences in strictly heterosexual terms and consequently ignore and invalidate homosexual behaviors and sexual orientation relationships and lifestyles. Additionally, neuroscience research typically prioritizes and focuses more on male sex behavior over female sex behavior. As a result of these points, I wanted to ask you all a few questions. And in the next episode of the Chirpy podcast series, we will be reading out the responses to these questions and discussing them. You can send them to the email chirpycricketpodcast at gmail.com. So my first question for you all is, why do you personally think there are not a lot of studies on this topic of same-sex behavior in the neuroscience world? And as a follow-up question, do you think this lack of research is reflective of the general science community and how we tend to project our cultural norms onto non-human organism research? How can we fix this? Again, if you're interested, please, please send your answers into the email chirpycricketpodcast.com. And that is a wrap on today's quick episode of the Chirpy Cricket Podcast. Please join me in the next week's episode as we continue to explore cricket sex behavior. Thank you once again for joining me in today's discussion about these chirpy insects. And last but certainly not least, thank you for your interest in neuroscience. Stay chirpy.